Well, maybe not. All of a sudden, it can't find it. I love technology. If it works, it works. If not, projector's not found. Anyway, who needs it, right? Yeah. Amen. 2014. Everyone doing well? Happy New Year. How many of you have set resolutions? You know, new beginnings, new years, new year. How many have stuck to their resolutions? What, what is it? The, uh, still doing it? New diets, <laughs> new workout uh, regimens, you're still going to the gym after a few days, thank you. I love the techie people who can help me out. And you're like, we did all that for that? <laughs> <laughs> just wait, just wait. Turn your Bibles to uh, Luke chapter 4. I know it's my plan to have the best year ever. It's my prayer for our region, our church, to have its best year ever. I hope it's your prayer as a disciple to have your best year ever. And I don't think it's a coincidence that we come upon Luke chapter 4 and the temptation of Jesus. Because if you think that the best year ever will mean that you will coast and it will be easy and God will take and just do amazing things without the challenge, without the battle, without the showdowns in your life, then we're mistaken. It's going to be a showdown on Monday night, right, Jeff? There's lots of showdowns, but nothing like this. This showdown is one of epic proportions. Through the few, first few chapters of Luke, he's, he's tried to, to build this whole idea that, that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah, the Son of God. His mother Mary was told, he will be great. He will be called the Son of God, the Most High. The shepherds heard the angels proclaim, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Anointed One, the Messiah, the Lord. Simeon was told that he would not die until he would see the Lord's Christ. And he says, now you can, you can let me go. You can dismiss your servants in peace. My eyes have seen salvation. John the Baptist was preaching, prepare the way for the Lord. His baptism, Jesus' baptism of fire and the Holy Spirit, of judgment and refinement and a sifting before God. And God himself, as Bill preached last week, exclaims during the baptism, you are my son whom I love. And when Luke traces the genealogy, he traces it 
all the way back to Adam, who was the Son of God. And now we have this new Adam, Jesus, appear on the scene and a showdown with the devil. Would this, could this Jesus fall? Let's read Luke chapter 4. Could this new Adam fall like the previous one did? Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. Let's stop there for a second. The showdown was initiated by who? The Spirit. The same Spirit who descended upon Jesus. And, 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 and God exclaims, You are my Son, with you I am well pleased. He is the one who leads Jesus into the desert. This word lead means to drive. It's a word that, that Jesus would, would use when he drives and casts out demons from people. The Spirit of God drives Jesus into the desert. So if we think again that, that new years and new beginnings mean that it's easy, keep in mind that God could in fact, drive us into places, into the wilderness, and into deserts where we, in fact, could be tested this year. And it will be God's doing in your life. That's, that's sobering. But God had a plan. And who was it? It was to face who? <laughs> Not just anyone. To face the devil, Satan himself, Diabolos, the slanderer, the great deceiver, the accuser, the prosecutor, the one who will find loopholes in your convictions and your covenants and your laws, and he'll go after them. He brought down Adam, he brought down Israel, and he wants to bring down the Son of God, the Messiah. Imagine for a second if you are an angel. Book of Revelation tells us that there was a war in heaven. And one third of the angels get swept involved in this war and are cast out of heaven. And Satan leads that, 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 that army. One third. Can you imagine now what the angels are thinking about God's plan? You drove him where? You drove him to who? And all of heaven, the angels stand in, in, in uncertainty. But God has a plan. Where for 40 days, 40 days he was tempted by the devil. I have a hard time with a few moments in my life. I, I have a hard time with, help me. I, I don't know if I can overcome this. I don't know if I, 
40 days and the understatement, one of the understatements in the Bible, after 40 days of not eating and he was hungry. Again, I, I've not eaten breakfast and my stomach is rumbling right now. 40 days. The Christ is vulnerable. He's just like you and me. Let's continue reading. The devil said to him, I love this. If you're the son of God, tell the stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. And the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant. This is, this is blow away. In an instant, all the kingdoms, all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority, all their splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So, you worship me, Jesus, it'll all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here for it is written. Let, let me quote a little scripture to you, Jesus. Let me remind you of a great psalm. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in, your, in their hands and that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him for an opportune time. Let's, let's pray together. Father, what an amazing encounter we see here in Scripture. What an amazing showdown. The Son of God, the greatest adversary, the devil. Father, as we look at Jesus, may we both be convicted and yet inspired. Father, may we be convicted in the fact that, that, we, that we often fall to temptation. But may we be inspired this morning to realize that we, like Jesus, we can overcome and we, in fact, have no excuse. You've given us the resources to overcome. You've given us all the reasons to be victorious. You've given us reasons, even practically this year, that we can have the best year ever. Thank you. But we realize we will have our wildernesses. We will have our challenges. Help us, as Jesus does here to rely totally on you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go through a little bit of the temptations. If you are the Son of God, there's a challenge. Like I said, Luke has been trying to build this story that, that, that Jesus is, in fact, the Son of God. And what does, what does Satan go right after? Who do you claim to be? Why don't you prove it to me? Why don't you show off a little bit? 
Jesus, after 40 days, or I don't suppose you're hungry, are you? Jesus, hey, look at there's there's some stones here. You can make them bread. You can feed yourself. There's urgency in Satan's words. Stones look good when you're hungry. When you begin to, to, to dream a little bit. And your hunger drives you. And you begin to think, what if? What would I give for something to eat right now? What will Jesus do? Will he listen to the Spirit of God who drove him there? Or will he make something happen for himself? Will he be like Adam when tempted by the devil? When he said, you know, Adam, you don't have enough. You can be like God, but you're not like him right now. You don't have enough. Will he trust in God's provision, God's timing? You know, this whole context of this chapter really is, is reflective in the chapters in the Old Testament of Deuteronomy's chapter 4 through 8 in, in, in God's testing of Israel and their wilderness wanderings. And obviously Israel failed the test over and over again. Manna and quail was given to them. And God said, I, I'm giving it to you to test you. Will you rely on my words? Will you be dependent upon my words? Or will you take matters into your own hands? And so every day they needed to get up. They needed to gather quail and gather manna. Only enough for that day to follow God's words exactly. And it is from this passage that Jesus quotes the scripture, man shall not live by bread alone. God tested the Israelites, but they failed. Will Jesus be patient with God's timing? Will Jesus wait for God to work? And I think about my life. I think about our lives, and I think of Satan's temptations. And, and Sean, you, you don't have enough. Why wait? You need it now. You're missing something. If you don't act now, it's, it's, it's going to be gone. You can't wait. You name it, we crave it. Our wants, our desires, our lusts, our passions, our cravings, our impurity, immor immorality, greed, deceit, pride, envy. Satan knows us to a T, and he will customize each temptation for you specifically. That is a frightening, frightening thought. And we are all different. And he will go after each one of us in a different way. Obviously, he knew Jesus had gone without food. What does he do? Goes after this one thing. Customizes the temptation for Jesus specifically. He will do the same for us. Served up at a great opportune time. He knows what appeals to us. He knows my needs. He knows my wants. He knows my desires. He knows what makes me hungry. He knows when I am hungry. 
do it. Click on something you shouldn't. Feed yourself. Get pleasure. Get something. Don't wait. Jesus, do it now. Sean, do it now. Bill, do it now. That's his call. And so we turn stones to bread in our lives and we get enslaved to things. We get enslaved to things by a click of a mouse. We get involved in a relationship because we think that we need it now. And we can't wait for God's plan to be revealed in our lives. Over and over and over again we give in. And what I see from this passage, and we'll see from the, the whole temptation of Jesus, no excuses. Jesus said no. After 40 days without food, we can say no to our wants and our desires. Amen? But you don't know. Well, I hope by the end of this sermon, you will see that we have the resources to say no. And we must say no. If this is going to be the greatest year ever, we must say no. I must say no. Jesus is my Lord. He has gone ahead of me. I will follow in his steps. Stones to bread. Kingdoms of the world. This is, this is frightening to me. Can you imagine in an instant? I'm standing here and in an instant. I see the great kingdom of Assyria. And Babylon. And Greece, and Rome, and, and, and Britannia, and, and the, the U.S., and Russia, and China, and Canada. <laughs> great, great landmass. World influence. Mm. But in an instant... That is power. Jesus, Jesus, look, look, look what I've got. I've got power. Jesus, I've got, I've got influence. Imagine what you can do with it, Jesus. Use it. Your message will get out faster. You're the Messiah. Why be the Messiah of only Israel? Who are they? I can give it. I can give it all to you. I can give you the world. You can force people to follow you. You can have everyone. Isn't that what you want? But one thing. Worship me. It'll all be yours. And you got Adam? Again, Adam, what, what could you have if you could be like God? You could, have, you could have it all. You got Israel. Moses goes up on the mountain and he disappears for 40 days. And 40, 40 is, a, is a common number in, in, in Israel. Forty days, and what do they do? Where's Moses? 
we, we need a God. We need, we need something here and now, so let's, let's make a calf. I need to feel God's presence. I, I, need, to, I need to see him. And he got them to fall. And Jesus, what, what you could have if, if you just simply compromise. Worship me just this once. And, and we would never admit, and I will never admit, that I would fall down and worship Satan. None of us would say that. None of us would, would, would go, yeah, okay, I'll fall down and worship you. Far be it, we, we, we would say, no way. But in the way we live our lives, do we live with compromise? Am I lured by the kingdoms of this world, the bling? I don't know what, what that will be. Bling means, means different things to different people. The great career. That great job. That husband, that wife, that spouse. That car. That latest technology device, phone, TV, whatever. Are we lured that the name brands, the sports, whatever it is, it appeals to our lack of contentment that what we have is not enough. And Satan will give you the world if you're willing to cross the line. And guess what? He knows that line that you draw. He knows it. He knows if you're willing to compromise things. And he will meet you right at that line. And remember what I said of him? He is the prosecutor. He is expert at finding the loopholes in that line, in that covenant. And he'll say, oh, you'll go to that line, but what if? And we cross the line. He'll meet us there if there is a relationship. If there is a job. If there are possessions. If there are families. If, if, if we want a great mark on a test and we're willing to cheat and compromise, he will meet us there. He will meet us to the point where we will not be open with our lives and open with our sin because that is the line that we will draw. Big question here is who gets my heart? Who gets your heart? That is what you worship. And Jesus says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. How about it, disciple? Is that your heart? Worship him and serve him. Serve him. Not just lip service, not just Sunday, not just what we say with our mouths, but how we live with our lives, that we serve Him. That really shows what we worship. And I love Jesus. I love Jesus because in the book of Philippians, it says, He did not consider equality with who? With God. Something to be grasped. But He made Himself nothing. Think of how different that is from Satan. I don't have enough. I am going, I need more, God. I want equality with you. 
and he went to war with God Almighty. Wow. What do you worship? And how do you live? Putting God to the test. The temple, the center of Jewish religion, where God's presence was, the highest point, Satan takes Jesus. It overlooks the city of Jerusalem, where the herald would blow the, the ram's horn. In early history, it was the call to battle. During Jesus' time, it, it is a call to worship. The, the herald would stand on the corner of the, the highest point and blow the ram's horn and would call the people to worship God during the holy days, during the great feasts. And Satan is shrewd at this point. He's like, okay, let's, let's quote some scripture. Psalm 91 would have been a psalm that's very familiar to, to a Jew. That God is my refuge. God is my fortress. My God whom I trust, you will not fear. A thousand may fall at your side. Ten thousands. But it will not come near you. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Because he loves me, I will rescue him, says the Lord. I will protect him. I will deliver him. That is the passage that Satan quotes to Jesus. Great passage. True. The problem is, Satan has some conditions. And it's all on his timing, his conditions, and about himself versus God's timing, God's condition, God's plan, and God's will. Jesus, what do you, what do you think you could do if from the top of the temple you threw yourself down and the angels rescued you? Imagine the impact, Jesus. Imagine the instant success. Imagine the instant stardom. Imagine, isn't that the way you want to start your kingdom? That's what you want. And he'll, he'll twist scripture and he will say, if you do this for God, he will do this for you. And he talks to us that way. And other temptations that we read here, we take action into our own hands. In this one, we force God's hands. We force him and his plan and his will to make it ours. We will say, I will do this if God, you do that. Or I will not do this if God, you do this. We shortcut the plan of God for quick results. And again, I tell you, 2014, what will you do? Will you wait on the plan of God? Or will you hold him for ransom and test him and say, I will not do this. If you don't act, if I don't see you do something, my faith is not going to grow. I'm going to stay right here. And you put God to the test. When in fact, his plan is for you to do something with your life. 2014 is here. The best year ever. Guess who's going to be right there with you? What about us? 
Can we really win the showdown in our lives? And I say, absolutely yes. But you don't know, absolutely yes. And here is why. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Although it's not found in this passage, if we arm ourselves with the Scriptures like Jesus we can have the victory. Let's start in verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, who? The Son of God. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. I I, I often don't believe this, but The Bible says it. In every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We need to be armed with the Scriptures. David, when he faced challenges in life in Psalm 119, says, Listen, how how can I or any young man keep his way pure? Great question. But he answers it by living according to your word. And he says, in fact, I seek you with half a heart. I seek you when I feel like it. I seek you when I'm, I'm not too tired to get up in the morning and, 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 you know, I've had a good night's sleep and I'm not rushed and I'll seek you then. No, I seek you with all of my hearts. I have hidden your words in, on my desk, in my closets. I've hidden your word, where? In my heart, that I might not sin against you. What is your attitude towards the Bible? How diligently do you study it to memorize it? If it was good for Jesus, how much more is it good for me and you? But I'm lazy. And I'm speaking personally. I'm lazy. I study enough. I'm not consumed. I'm not, I I don't seek it with all of my heart. I have other things that I do. When was the last time I memorized large portions of scriptures and put them on my heart? When was the last time that I looked at the the sins in my life and I said, okay, I am going to put these on my heart and they are not going to have victory over me because every time I'm going to quote these passages, I'm going to refer to Jesus. But does the Bible have that hold in our lives? Of course, this passage talks about Jesus' example, the grace. What I see from this is that Jesus is just like you and me. He's gone through it all. The confidence that we can have, there is victory waiting for us. He has been through it 
and so I can go through it as well. I need to follow in his steps. I need to be more like him. I need to stop listening to Satan's voice. And what does Satan always do? Do it now. It's urgent. Do it now. Quickly. And what I see from Jesus, he always is waiting for God's timing. We would do better most of the time in the sin in our lives if we simply stopped and said, okay, let me get in God's word. Let me even take five minutes and I will not do anything until I get in God's word. Think of how many, how many changes in the, in the sin in our lives and the victories we would have if we simply stopped and let God work in our lives to follow Jesus' example. And this last one is absolutely blow away. I can't do this justice in the last few minutes, but it, I, I hope I rock your world here in a, in a few minutes. Because it, it, is so, it, is so, it is so cool. Jesus obviously lived a sinful life. A sinless life. <laughs> There, there goes my point there. What you... I got that reversed. I obviously live a sinful life. And you shake your head, yes, yes. Jesus lived a sinless life. Amen? Awesome. Got that right. I didn't even know what I said. I was getting ahead of myself. I have no righteousness. Nothing. He has all of the righteousness. Why was Jesus baptized? Did he have sin? To fulfill righteousness. To fill up righteousness. Why did he live a full life? Why was he, why was he born and, and lived? And, and why did he not just kind of come at 33 and die and that's it? Why? So that he could fulfill all righteousness. He could live a complete life. He could be tempted in every way just as we are. Yet what? Without Sin. He could be completely righteous. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, God made him who had no sin to what? Be sin for me, for us, so that in him we might become righteousness. We who have nothing credited to us, no righteousness at all, get all of Jesus' righteousness. The passage that was read at communion, he himself bore our sins so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. He established a pure record, a righteous record that can be transferred to us. Now let's read Romans chapter 5. Strap on your seatbelts. This is cool stuff. Romans 5, verse 17. He's talking about Adam and his fall. And obviously as a result of Adam's fall and sin, the rest of mankind 
falls in suit. And we are sinful. For if by the trespass of the one man, referring to Adam, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in heaven? Reign at some other point in, in, in eternity? Reign when? In life. That, that's now. Through the one man, Jesus Christ. Consequently, as the result of one trespass, again, Adam, was condemnation for all men. So also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life to all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteousness. Jesus' victory becomes my victory, our victory. He won the showdown so that we can win the showdown. He, he won so that I can reign in life, so that I can, can have justification that I can be made righteous. So what is this word justification? It is a great religious word. What does it mean? Just as if I have not sinned. That's what we quote. Yeah, but it is much, much more than that. Justification is a legal term to be declared or pronounced righteous. But Christ's righteousness, I have none. Christ's righteousness gets credited to me. The innocent, Jesus, gets sentenced to die. I am the one who is guilty of capital crime. I am the one on death row. I am the one who's awaiting my, 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 my death sentence. What does justification mean? That, that, that I'm simply forgiven? That I'm, that I'm simply, my, my, my crime is expunged? that it's erased or it's deleted? Is, is it that? No, it's much more than that. Is it just as if I didn't sin? No, it is much more than that. I have the prison clothes. I, I am guilty of crime. I am in prison by my sin. He gives me the new suit. He doesn't just expunge my, 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 my crime and my record. He gets me out of prison. And he takes me and he says, you are my heir. You are my son. I give you a new suit. You had prison clothes. You are guilty. I'm giving you a fresh start. We don't get prison food. We get a banquet. Do you understand? Are you beginning to see justification? Just as if I not said, no, 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 no. <laughs> it is much more than that. I'm in a cell. He gives me the mansion. 
gives us the mansion. I'm waiting for the sentence to be carried out. I'm on death row. I didn't know how to portray this, but he gives me eternal life. Wow. I'm so moved to think about it. Just as if I had not sinned, that doesn't do justice. He gives us so much more. 2014 is here. Great plans. Best year ever. If you're not a Christian, I want to challenge you, encourage you, whatever it is that you trade in the death sentence. You trade in the prison clothes. You trade in the prison food. You, you, you trade in, 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 in life that you're living now for something that will last forever. And if you're a disciple, goodness, what do we have? Think about what 2014 will be if we realize what we have. We've got the scriptures, we've got Jesus' example, and we've got justification. He's taken us places. But it doesn't mean that it will be easy. We will have our wilderness challenges. We will have our showdowns in the desert. Jesus' victory becomes my victory. He has won the showdown in our lives, so each one of us can win the showdowns in our lives. Let's truly make 2014 the best year ever because Jesus has won the showdown in the desert. Amen?